my name is Megan Glosson. I use she, her, hers pronouns. I live just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. I work as a um, content writer and editor for a marketing agency. And I also do some freelance writing on the side. And uh, I'm a mother of two children. My story is that I um, lost the love of my life and I was not expecting to. When someone dies from a suicide, car accident, overdose, pandemic, or other sudden loss, it presents a profound, immensely complex challenge for those who remain. Grief by itself is overwhelming and one of the most painful emotions any human will ever encounter. And while the pain of grief is the same whether the death is sudden or anticipated, a sudden loss is shocking and disorienting, reducing our ability to cope with an understanding of what just happened. Hey there, it's JD. You're listening to the What's Your Story podcast. When someone you know and love dies, you aren't just mourning a loss, you're also dealing with the trauma of how they died. Whereas with an anticipated death, we can make sense of the situation and brace ourselves emotionally. Together with this week's storyteller, Megan, we'll answer some questions surrounding an unexpected loss to help you move through the grief and forward with life. This podcast is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is something that should be taken seriously. And while this may be another sponsored ad, my relationship with BetterHelp is personal because for the past year, I've been using BetterHelp to gain my own mental clarity. I can sit here all day and tell you to seek help, but the truth is we're in this together. In the end, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or simply not dealing with stress very well. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed or scared of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Join the millions of people, myself included, who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's, it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you're your greatest asset. As a special offer to listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at BetterHelp.com dot com slash fragile moments that's better h-e-l-p dot com slash fragile moments and remember just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping so uh, emily um and i met in 2018 and uh, we started out as just friends things kind of blossomed into a romantic relationship um but because of where we were in life it kind of took a while to get you know down the road. Um, she was in grad school. Um, she just finished her master's degree, uh, this past May, um, in clinical social work. 
Yeah. And then, um, you know, I had, um, was going through some stuff, um, when we met. And so I was kind of like processing some life things before I kind of jumped back into a relationship. Um, but I finally took the plunge and proposed to her on September 30th and she died on October 19th. Grief by definition is an emotional process of coping with a loss. You can't process grief intellectually. And while we wish it was clean cut and linear in nature, grief can be messy and painful. It's a journey you must embrace rather than avoid. While some will wear their emotions on their sleeves and be outwardly emotional, you may experience grief internally, unable to cry. Coping with loss is very personal and singular to your experience. The best thing you can do is try not to resist and prolong the process and lean into the emotions. Grief is what we like to call an emotional work that is natural, normal, and necessary. However, our culture tends to believe that anything that hurts is bad. So many of us have not been taught how to properly deal with grief and loss. In avoidance, you may seek other means to release emotions or distract from the pain, such as busyness, food, and substance abuse, isolation, shopping, or excessive sleeping. Famed grief expert David Kessel, the co-author of On Grief and Grieving, with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, said the five stages famously, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance are emotional tools to help us frame and identify what we may be feeling. In your bereavement, you will spend different lengths of time working through steps and express each stage with different levels of intensity. These stages don't come in anywhere at and not everyone expresses them all. But pressing into the emotions you do experience, however, can help with your learning to live with the one you lost. While working with children going through loss, we sing the Going on a Bear Hunt song, which I think articulates the grief process well. We can't go under it. We can't go around it or over it. We have to go through grief to find healing and find peace. Um, it's interesting because I, I mean, I've experienced a lot of loss in my life. Um, but I think a lot of times when we're expecting it, it hits in a different way than when it's very unexpected when somebody who's healthy just suddenly dies with no, um, explainable reason. So when I, it's funny. Um, so when I met Emily, um, in 2018, she was about eight months post heart transplant. Um, she was born with a congenital heart defect, had a surgery to repair it. Um, something else happened and it did not go well. And so she ended up having to be put on the transplant list. But, um, despite that, she was very healthy, like everything post transplant, she resumed a very normal life. Like I said, she went on to grad school. She was a dancer, very healthy woman. Um, in the prime of her life, she was 26. So yeah, we, uh, she started about, about the week after I proposed, she started having like on and off abdominal pain. And we had kind of narrowed down that we thought it was her gallbladder. Um, and so finally on October 17th was the day she was just in a lot of pain and she was off work. And I was like, let's go to the ER and just, I know your doctor's like doing these labs and trying to figure stuff out. But, and, uh, so we went to the hospital, um, nearest our 
um, our townhouse, which it's like right around the corner. Um, but because of her history, they wanted to send her to Vanderbilt, um, which is a pretty big hospital in the Nashville area. Um, and they did her transplant. So she like, she's very comfortable there. All the doctors know her. Um, and they did determine it was her gallbladder. Um, but some of her, um, enzyme levels for her heart were a little off in the labs. And so they wanted to do a couple more tests just before you put somebody under anesthesia, you want to make sure their heart's good. So, um, so the plan was, um, for on the 19th that morning. So we're like at the 18th at this point, by the time we transferred hospitals and all that. Um, but so the plan was on Wednesday, they were going to do a, a cardiac echo and a couple of other just tests that they do. Um, and then if everything was good, they were going to go ahead and do the gallbladder surgery. It was supposed to be minimally invasive out of the hospital in a day or two. Um, however, her body decided it had other plans. Um, we went to bed about nine o'clock Tuesday night, um, about midnight. I woke up to all of the th- things she was hooked up to beeping. Um, and she was like making a noise, like she was conscious, but not like she wasn't responsive. Um, and so it was kind of odd. All the doctors came in, they were trying to figure out what was going on. They ran some more labs and things. Um, she had a total of three of those episodes and the last time she just completely crashed and they couldn't revive her. So I, literally watched her in a matter of like two hours go from being fine and responsive to gone completely just in a few hours. So we'll be right back. Each of us is a constantly unfolding narrative, a hero in a novel no one else can write, which is why I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these stories here on this podcast. You see, if I could sum up everything I've learned from being a mental health educator, it would boil down to one thing. You are not alone. I believe in the healing power of telling your story and sharing with the world. And so I created an opportunity I'm so solidly behind when it comes to healing from trauma and tragedy due to the darkness of mental illness. As Someone who's a listener of this podcast, I want to personally invite you to the Storyteller community. For $5 a month, the Storyteller community is a private, self-led community for those willing to do the work to create lasting transformation on their path to greater mental clarity. It's a community that thrives in the mindset that in our oneness, we can find an opportunity to truly heal. Head over to the website at fragilemoments.org community today to learn more. I cannot wait to have you be part of the Storyteller community with me as we share our collective stories and journeys from all over the world. So head over to FragileMoments.org slash community and let's build, share, and heal together. People from all over the world have been sending in questions and it turns out that most of us are dealing with the same kinds of things from breakups and loss to work pressure, racism to gender, dealing with parents to dealing with social media and want to talk more about them. So ask me anything. Head over to the website today at fragilemoments.org slash ask. Whatever you think our generation needs to have conversations about when it comes to what weighs on us and causes our mental health struggles. Sometimes I'll combine research with my own thoughts, and other times I'll bring in an expert for a chat on social media where you can join the conversation. All submissions are anonymous. 
I only ask for general demographic info in order to understand our reach and our impact. So head to FragileMoments.org slash ask today. And remember, I'm just a human being like you. I just happen to think we should talk more. Death is unfathomable, especially when it strikes someone with an unfinished life. Unexpected grief is horrid and immeasurable. Experience it makes you feel like you did as a child first standing in front of the ocean. You couldn't possibly comprehend the magnitude of its size or depth. You just stood there, wondering if it ever really ended and knowing it would always have the power to consume you. I don't believe the human mind is ever truly capable of understanding the sudden loss of a loved one. Never being able to speak to, see, or hold another person is an unrecognizable thought. We spend our whole lives ignoring the potential of that reality until it confronts us. And when it does, it's so shocking that it doesn't feel real. How could it? You know these things happen, but they happen to other people, right? They don't happen to you. Until they do. You then put on a black outfit and you go through the motions on autopilot like you're watching someone play you in a movie on TV. You watch the actor play, plan funeral arrangements, go through old photos, and hug your teary-eyed friends and family. You really hate the movie, but you can't figure out how to turn it off, no matter how many times you try. It steals memories, moments, and expectations we spend our entire lives compiling neatly in our minds for safekeeping, only to find out that they were never really safe at all. It steals wedding dances, graduation seats, much-needed advice, perfectly timed laughter, warm hugs, and arms wrapped around new babies who deserve to meet their whole families. It can steal everything. Death can take an unfinished life and make it finished. It's unfair. It's brutally, painfully, and sinfully unfair. There's so many unanswered questions about why bad things happen to good people. There are a plethora of feelings and emotions to work through, and often the scars of those battles never go away. I want you to know, I understand that. Everyone who loves you understands that. Everyone who has been through this understands even more. And no matter how much time passes, any way you feel is justified and meaningful. It's okay to be absolutely livid. You can be mad. It's okay to feel cheated and betrayed. It's okay to let your blood boil and feel authentic rage from the injustice your loved one was served. And from the injustice everyone was served by losing a person they were supposed to have for a long time. It's okay to be devastated too. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to take your time. It's okay to question everything. It's okay to cry and yell and lock yourself in your room when you need to. It's okay to never stop feeling that sadness in many ways. It's hard because like in some ways I'm still like in this denial phase of like, oh, she's going to walk through the door any minute or, you know, my phone goes off and I'm like, oh, she's going to text me. And it's, not obviously, you know, I, I know, like I have her phone. I know these things are not possible. Um, and I, I feel like that's something that's unique that I didn't experience like in other losses, like you said, like a grandparent, I had a grandmother who had cancer for five years. We knew eventually the end was going to come. Um, and so, you know, that was more like peace, like, but I'm not experiencing that with this. It's more, you know, there's the denial and then there's all the, I think the other hard thing is all the things that I feel like are left unresolved. Um, you know, I had just proposed to her. 
I didn't realize the last time she crashed was going to be that. And I had just said, it's going to be okay. Like, that's the last thing I said to her. And it's, you know, there are so many, it's like, should I have done things differently? Should I, there's all those questions personally um, believe that yes, she has gone on somewhere that's probably much better than, but at the same time, it's, if I had known that was, you know, I mean, I'm sure we all feel that way. If I had known that was the last moment, I wish I would have said something much more profound than we're in the hospital. It's going to be okay. They're going to take care of you. You know, the term closure is frequently used after death, but it's a myth in regard to grief as there is no definitive end to grief. Grief is not a shutting out, ending, or termination of our feelings or missing of a loved one. We can't just get get over it. A more accurate term is getting complete with the loss as we resolve with different, better, or more questions as we begin to move forward and heal. We still understand that feelings related to grief may bubble up from time to time, and that's okay. It is common, particularly in sudden deaths, to repeatedly think about the coulda, woulda, shouldas, known as hindsight bias. Emotional recovery begins when you start to work through those questions on what you wish had been different, better, and more. It's important to look at the relationship with your loved one or friend with honesty, the good and the bad, in order to achieve healing. I feel like I'm, you know, starting the process. Um, I see a therapist and we're, we're doing some work, so I'm starting that process, but damn, it's hard. <laughs> um, I, you know, part of me doesn't want to let go, obviously, but then part of me just doesn't, I hate to say this, but I feel like there's almost like nothing to look forward to now. Like everything's just very bland. It's like every day has a permanent, like dark cloud over it is where I'm kind of at right now. And it's sucky. Um, Cause there's a lot going on in my life and there's a lot I should be enjoying, but it's all like overcast with this whole thing of, well, the person you're supposed to be enjoying it with isn't here. Um, yeah, I feel like, uh, there's a lot of unique things, um, as far as, you know, one, none of my friends have anything that they can even like try to make it relatable to them. I, the closest is a good friend of mine. And he even said like, this is a terrible example, but we're, we've both been through divorce as well. So we've, you know, we had previously bonded over that. And he's like, I know it's not the same, but I know what it's like to lose what you thought your life was going to look like. And I'm like, yeah, but you kind of, I don't want to say like you pick that path with divorce, but to some extent you do. And, you know, so that's, I think something that's a unique challenge. Um, not having anybody in my peer group that can relate to that, like all of their spouses are alive and well, you know, they don't have that kind of thing. Um, and then I'm also learning, I don't fit in in like grief support groups either. Cause if I go to like a spousal grief group, it's, you know, 60 year old women who were with their husbands for 30, 40 years, or, you know, um, that I've found that I'm not finding a lot of people who fit exactly where I am as far as being like a, somebody in my mid thirties, um, who just lost, you know, what was going to be their life partner. So friends and family have a hard time figuring how to support us at a, a moment like this of such loss and the death of a loved one or friend has that ripple effect on everyone. Right. 
While you may be going through immense grief, others may be grappling with their own emotions and thoughts of just how to support you. So here's a little bit of guidance in case you find yourself in a situation like that on either end. The first and most important though, is to understand and honor the uniqueness of how each person grieves and just let that be okay. While many individuals may be grieving the loss of the same person, every relationship is unique to the two people who have it. And understanding this helps people not compare grief. Another helpful tip is to help with practical things. We often forget that even just doing the day-to-day -day tasks like yard work, airport runs, phone calls, child or pet care, or even just picking up groceries are phenomenally hard. And so helping with those things is better than any words that you could say. And speaking of that, be a heart with ears, as I like to call it. Grievers don't want or need to be fixed. They simply just want to be heard. And ultimately, and lastly, be honest. Grievers can smell dishonestly. If you don't know what to say, let them know that you have no words at all. But ultimately, you're there for them. Yeah, I do feel like that, like judgment of when I say things like call myself a widow or refer, you know, to her as my partner or say something about like, I lost a spouse too. I feel bad about that because it's like, well, we hadn't like finished that part of it. We were very much in the planning of the wedding process, but I also look at it as a, you know, we had committed to each other um, and we were living together, you know, a lot of things about where we were in life still fit the same. Yeah. You know, we were sharing expenses, living together, raising my children together, you know, all of those things were happening. So I'm like, yes, but also there's that fear of people are going to be like, oh, well, you're, you know, way too emotional about this or, you know, that kind of thing too, like the judgment of other people. There will always be good days and bad days. There will be moments where you feel strong and accepting and others where you simply won't. I want you to know I'm here for them now and I'll be there for all of them. And by I, I mean your friends, family, and every person who cares about you during that grieving process. If you're reading this, if you're hearing this, if you're seeing this on a video and feeling alone, confused or unwarranted, I want to remind you that you aren't. I'm every one of those sympathy letters from people who don't ever really know what to say, but try to say something anyway. Others suffer with you, for you, and beside you. It doesn't matter if it's been seven days or seven years. I'm here. I'm here for the funny stories, the moments that feel empty, and the days that feel endless. I'm here for every version of yourself that rises on this journey, strong you, angry you, broken you, and accepting you. And when you stand in front of that vast, endless ocean of grief and think about its ability to consume you, know that the only way it can do so is if you're out there without a lifeguard. Now I'm your lifeguard too. I'm here to watch over you from a distance when you need me to and run to your rescue when you call out. I'm here to keep you afloat and bring you back to shore when you drift too far. I'm here to dive in with you and never, ever let you feel alone. To everyone who's lost someone too soon, know that you are not alone in your struggle in this life. Loss happens more often than you may realize, and you're surrounded by lifeguards who are ready to jump in when you need them to. There's no ocean of grief fast enough to combat the power of love. 
the love around you, the love in your heart, and the love of people watching over you from above will always be strong enough to bring you back to shore. While death is inevitable for all of us at some point, when a loved one or friend suddenly dies, we are reminded our, of our fragility. Death is hard and grieving is that process. Thank you to Megan for taking the time to open up and let us heal with her during this process of grieving a loved one lost far, far too soon. What's Your Story is produced by me, JD, with background piano music by Chad Lawson. The stories, as always, are yours. So if you've got a story you want to share to the world and are ready to do so, you can head over to fragilemoments.org slash tellyourstory and fill out the quick form and then I'll be in touch. If there's something that resonated with you in today's episode, and as always, I really hope there is, head on over to Twitter at StorySharingPod and send me a message. Above all though, thanks to you for tuning in once again to What's Your Story and helping me shed some much needed light on mental health. Any show, big or small, but especially a little one like this, survives based on reviews from you. So if you leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, send me the screenshot to my email address and I'll give you a shout out on a future episode as a token of my gratitude. Thanks again for tuning in and I look forward to hearing your story one day because we all have a story within us to tell, a song yet unsung.